calling. How are you getting on, huh? How's your boy, huh? How's young Scamp getting on? You don't you don't have a song called Scamp. Who am I thinking of? Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Oh my god, I could just die. How are you doing though? He's well. Um look, Daddy's a bit hungover, right? Daddy's a little bit hungover this morning. Daddy was on a silly billy juice last night. Ha ha ha. Daddy was on his laugh laugh juice last night. Ha 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 ha. And now, oh, Daddy's so sad. Oh, Daddy's so sad now because he had a solid silly billy juice last night. Oh, oh, you don't. I tell you, I feel like um, I feel like a half-eaten breakfast roll stuffed down an electricity box. You know, you sometimes see them in the states. In between the wall and the electricity box, there's a half-eaten roll wedged in there that even the birds can't peck at it. <laughs> That's what I feel like now. I just want someone to put me somewhere. Can guys, can someone please just come here with a McDonald's milkshake and a forehead kiss, please? You don't get to be hungover. At my age, son, you don't get to be getting pretty hungover now these days. Uh, I yawned today, and Terry gave out to me. She said, oh, I don't know where you're yawning at. My God, you can't. You just, you can't, conf you shouldn't confide. You, you can't be, it's like that meme of me. Uh, you know, sorry, of, of Mel Gibson talking to Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel's, he's like, he looks like he's a mansplaining body language. And Jim Caviezel's covered in blood and passion of the Christ. And it's always a meme to do with, you know, Mel Gibson being the kind of, the better off person comparing about how it's worse for them. That's the whole meme. So that's me saying to my wife, oh, I'm a bit tired now, didn't get much sleep. You had 13 hours, she'd say to me. Um, But, um, but yeah, Daddy's just a little bit, little bit hungover because uh, I was at the because I was doing the Lord's work actually. I was actually hustling on behalf of you, the podcast listener, because this very podcast you're listening to was nominated for a stellar award. Ding 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 ding. ding. Stellar magazine, um, which is a magazine, uh, nominated me for the best podcast in the world of all time, 2021, and I didn't win, and I didn't win, um. But I tell you, if I, I tell you what I did win, uh, if there was a competition for it, best table. Oh, let me tell you about the titans of comedy who were at this table. You had Shane Byrne, you had Killian Sunderman, you had Michael Fry, you had Emma Doran, and partners. And um, truly was, truly was a showstopper of a table. But none of them won as well. They were all for the Insta Star Comedy Award, and they didn't, they didn't win. Um, but. So considering the fact that no one won, I did get to have a bit of a moment because there was uh, they were reading out the categories for podcast, and um, they were going through all the names, you know, into seven or eight names, you know, and uh, and then I'm waiting for me, and they, they, they didn't say my name for you know the nomination, you know, they were like, uh, and then they went straight, and the winner is you know, and I was drunk at this stage. I don't know what would have happened had I won. I don't know what I could have said, what I could have been liable to say. Um, but as they were kind of, sk they skipped my name. Um, I may, I you know, I just made it clear to them by just screaming, "Hey, hey, what about you?" Know, and then, then shortly, shortly, yeah, they were like, "Oh my God, sorry." Uh, and and uh, Tony Campbell, Tony Campbell's hit show, and you know, look, was it out of pity? Maybe, but everyone applauded for me, for me, um, and it's our pity applause. As good as an actual winning applause? Absolutely to me. Absolutely. So I stood up, did a bit of a bow, and then even Shane Byrne was like, I'm so jealous of you. 
So I had my moment, and that's all that matters. Um, and they were so apologetic, and Terry was all, you've no idea what you've done for him. He was so happy, you know. Um, so that was fun, you know. Don't have any mad stories about it, really. It was just a fun night. And, um, uh, you know, it wasn't like the Gossies where, you know, I had people being like, uh, and what is it you do? Uh, I do a podcast. Okay. Now I'm actually being recognized as a podcaster. So, um, you know, so that was good. That's great. Lovely. Had a lovely time. And uh, now Daddy's just, Daddy's just a little bit tender, which is why I'm so happy that I'm not doing this podcast alone. This podcast, I have a guest, and he's a very good pal of mine. His name is Peter McGann. You know him. You remember, hey, remember Crisps? You know, his very funny, um, he's a very funny comedian. He's very funny videos. You've seen his Filter Dad videos. You've seen his, uh, his Crisps. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a sharp-witted tongue. Uh, laying into the spawn con influencers like me oh god we get it from a big time he's also a genius playwright and um, just a very funny human being um and i really wanted to have him on because uh, i've had um i've had a few guests on i've had alison spittle on talking about uh, pointless that her favorite tv show pointless uh, and in general just uh, her obsession with trivia that's the episode we did uh, i had um I had uh, Kevin McGarren on talking about bad movies, giving a blow-by-blow breakdown of the movie Fatal Deviation, which was fun. And then Pete was on here um, talking about westerns, which is great because I've just started playing Red Dead again. Um, I've, I've been meaning to get some good westerns, and he gives me some fabulous recommendations. And I love that he's such a movie buff that he says all these movies I've never heard of. And he's all like, look, I'm not going to win any hipsters' hearts by telling you these obvious ones. Oh, you know, like, I'm like, this is amazing. He's just, it's encyclopedic knowledge. When I went into his gaff, he had two books about westerns on his coffee table. And, he, and, <laughs> and I was like, he's just like, there's stage set in here, what's this? And he's like, no, seriously, like, this, is, this is what I always have. Um, so it was a really fun chat. And we also talk about um, <laughs> problematic uh, art, you know, and have a bit of a chat about, you know, He's, he's a great filmmaker as well. And I, I kind of liken some of his films to the work of Woody Allen and Louis C.K. And we chat about that, kind of problematic artists. Um, and we also give a bit of a spoilerific chat about um, No Time to Die. He's a big Bond fan, so I wanted to get his two cents on it. Um, and just in general, we talk about maybe what it would be like if we were cowboys and how us little prissy art, arty boys might survive in the wild frontiers of, uh, of, of, of the West. Um, so that's what this podcast is, and I'm delighted to have him on. But before I have him here, um, let me tell you about the sponsors of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Look, they are a fine brand, and a fine-ass whiskey. And look, you know that I'm a big fan of the Dubliner Green Label. That's the one that's the Irish whiskey aged in a bourbon cask. Gives it a hint of sweetness. You can use it in all sorts of whiskey cocktails and bourbon cocktails. You know I'm a fan of that. You know I'm a fan of the Dubliner Beer Cask range, um, old-fashioned, right? This is one that is uh, it's, it's in collaboration with Rascals Brewery. They've aged it in a kind of blonde ale cask, and then they fucked in a load of spices in it and made it all mad tasty um, to taste exactly like an old-fashioned. Uh, I gave it to a co- cocktail snob friend of mine, and he said it tastes exactly like an old-fashioned, and he was drinking it over drinking old-fashions. Um, but what I'm really enjoying at the moment, they got me a bottle recently. Uh, it's the Dubliner Red Label Honeycomb Liqueur. This is a phenomenal taste. 
it's a great after it's it's like drinking a crunchy bar it is the nicest sip and i'm really going to make this one last i rinsed over a long period of time responsibly through the bottle last time and i'm going to make it count this time um and it's the perfect thing just to drink you know just neat no ice having a little sip watching a bit of rupaul um so thank you very much the dubliner irish whiskey for sponsoring this podcast and hey and what better sponsor on this episode where we go back to the wow wow west the wow wow west uh with my good friend peter mcgann thank you very much howdy pete howdy partner do you think you do you think uh do you think a cowboy would like you no. <laughs> really? No. Yeah, if, if he was to meet, like, um, in, in terms of the, the actual film, if, uh, old school cowboys, I think they would, like, I would be like, um, I, I think I'd be a sound barman in a saloon. Yeah. I think I'd be, or like, the guy who builds coffins, although I, I couldn't build a coffin, what am I saying? No, you know, the, <laughs> the towns, like, if I, yeah, the kind of, the, 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 the home, home, sp- homeowner, not the home. What do you call him? The, uh, like the farmer who's like w- wife gets totally mad into the f- the gunslinger that comes into town. Yeah, and he gets pretty cooked. I'd be like the, the better cook. male guy. He's like, <laughs> I came from the city to m- to m- to kind of make my way out here, and I'm like slip and slide in the muck, and like nothing's <laughs> growing, and all the cattle are dying. Yeah, and then uh, like Gary Cooper rides in, and my wife's fucking mad after him. But like, <laughs> it's, I know, you know they, sh- they never act on it, but it's yeah. like clear. And I, I eventually get killed, and that spurs on him to take revenge on me, and then shack up with her at the end. I want to talk about that as well. Vengeance seems to be a regular theme. Well, I'll tell you some of the. Well, I'll tell you that in a second. I think if I was in a, in, a, in a western town, I probably would be like that barman. But I remember <laughs> I saw this. I was watching like uh, Britain's toughest pubs, <laughs> and there was one pub where there was like a barman, and like, and he's like, "I'd love to close." They won't let me. And he had all these like <laughs> bruises and like lads just been lamping him and stuff. And he's just there at work. Like he's forced. He's pretty much there like in uh, servitude to these. Yeah, see, that what I'd be afraid of is that I am I'm, I'm just so weak and better. Data? And just I'll just be yeah. prey to these people. So if I did have like, yeah, like a business or a farm or something, I would just roll over. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be a whole day. You know, there's always the, the guys trying to build a big train tracks through the town or something. Yeah. I would, like, there's always, we're holding out and they're sending in, like, hired guns. I'd be like, I'm selling up. Absolutely. Oh, get me out of here. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if I like them. I don't know if I like the look of them. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like you see on, like, Facebook, like, lads who are like, I'm all about loyalty. Yes. I'm all about, you know, like, my crew are the most important thing mm-hmm. to me. There's a lot of that kind of, um, a lot of those kind of attributes in in cowboys and kind of they you are know, tough w- when men were men. Gary Cooper. Yeah, like literally, that's yeah. the, that's the surprise. archetype. That's the archetype. Yeah, well, that's I think that's why it's such an attractive one is because there's this fake image of it. But in real life, they're all. Do you ever see a photo of like Jesse James, like those old teeth? They've all got like manky wooden teeth and crossed eyes and like <laughs> yeah. are like manky looking. They look like they look like sixteen year old boys. But like the eyes of like a ninety-eight-year-old man yeah. who's seen <laughs> horrors and, and like they, it's. But then obviously the the screen version added these very stoic men with great profiles and this mm. kind of quiet certitude about them and the it's it's I like the I I guess the people that it's liking the idea that of like being able to just not detach yourself from society and just kind of get out there and. 
mm. and just be kind of roaming the lands with no no one telling you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no expectations except the ones you set yourself. But like, I suppose is you know, like I would love if if Terry, you know, fawned over the sight of me shooting the man, you know, mm. like that's that seems like a simple thing mm-hmm. rather than being like showing up every day, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and doing the little bits of work and making her feel special. If I could just do something, if you were a dead shot, yeah, I was a dead shot. If you were collecting bounties all day, yeah, no, but yeah, see, that's or if I like we got a little lasso and kind of pulled her over to me. See that's the thing. They are, they they there's a way in these films that, like where they they can do that shit. They can yeah l- like be very like they'll dismissive or like horrible to these women and then just get fond over. It's like I couldn't like I'm riding out by the end of this week. I'm I'm not sticking around mm. and that kind of drives them wild. <laughs> Whereas like if I did that, it just wouldn't it wouldn't Could go you well. imagine? No, I I, I dread the Terry would level me. Yeah. Would yeah. Level, she'd be like, who the fuck do you think you're and I'd be you're dead right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> my my horse just deflates like, <laughs> like how'd you doing this? You're going wilt <laughs> <laughs> the mask or something. Um do you think if you were in Westworld uh, you would leave Westworld. No, I'd be Ed Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be Ed Harris. Like I would, li- like I'd be hiding yeah. when, when it's all over. I'd hide in there and just kind of never. I, leave. I would be, and I'm not saying this in terms of kissing. I would be wearing the face off all, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> off all those. I would literally be going around like testing my knives on them and cutting the faces off them and wearing them around like oh, Hannibal Lecter. Like I'd make a skin suit. I'd be walking around in a skin suit. Oh, people, like, I know that show, <laughs> like, I've only seen the first season, but it is like, it's like, just, you know, be careful, this is where we're headed. And I was like, class. Yeah. That's where, the, that, <laughs> is that the metaverse? This is a utopia. I'm into it. <laughs> this is a utopian, this is the first utopian uh, <laughs> sci-fi I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, uh, no, I'd, I'd live in that world, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, but like I do, I, <laughs> it might, you know, it might, would would that be your perfect? Like, I mean, would that would the Westworld, if you could, if if you had to live in any kind of oh kind of um, uh, you know, cinematic or ge- cinematic genre? No, I don't think. No, no, def- no. I think if I was living like a cinematic genre, it'd be like, like it would be pretty cool to like be in like a good situation. If, if you really? were, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the most grounded. There's like <laughs> fantasy options. No, no, no. Space. If I could be like. <laughs> if I could like have a have a thing, an Italian woman scream at me that yeah. I was never home, and then rock out and stay up all night in some like uh, like backroom casino playing uh, poker with the worst looking men alive, and like <laughs> uh, like they seem so happy in Goodfellas yeah. for the yeah. for the first two thirds of it, and like they I, they are enjoying it so much. It's like that looks brilliant. Yeah, I think because so, like if you're living in the world, if you're living in the, in the Westworld fancy, you could avoid the like. The, like the paranoid cocaine adult uh, turning yeah. witness against them yeah. and the hits and stuff like that. So that that would be me now, yeah. That'd be pretty good. I can imagine like a robot Frankie Valley singing to you <laughs> in like the kind of Copa Club or whatever. And you and you just maybe having a bit too much and like shouting up, and then the yeah, boss yeah, is yeah. pissed yeah. off yeah. and having to deal with that. Hey, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> like they're probably in worse situation than we are. Yeah, well, almost certainly are. <laughs> Because like they have to make their kind of they have to be, uh, be earning money constantly. They're in constant fear of getting whacked. Yeah. So, but uh, so like, and they've they you know they're they've come from fucking horrible conditions for the most part. They're they're so they're you know chipping away at their soul every single day in big and small ways. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like being an influencer. It's like you know like 
I don't know if I want to do this, but exactly. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> but I have oh yeah, to you've been dealt. But, but I have to post. They're about asking it. me to do it, and like they get money. It's like, what do I not do it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. So Pete, how did you get into westerns? I've always wanted to get into west. Well, no, I haven't wanted because then I would have watched. But I would have. No, I would love to be sitting on a pile of western trivia and having experienced a load of westerns. Uh, having played Red Dead. You know, it's an mm-hmm. aesthetic I'm, I'm very much into. I love the old vengeance story. How did you find yourself getting into westerns? Um, I suppose, I don't know, re- but I, well, like, I guess I got into start getting into like old films and stuff when I was like a teenager. Um, by virtue, like we di- we got Sky Digital, but we didn't get any of the, the like, we, the only movie channel we had was TCM. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turner, Turner Classic. Class so like I was just watching all this, <laughs> like watching like all these movies that were like, just like, crime movies all like mu- musicals westerns war movies all these like re- old <laughs> hollywood like kind of some of them are classic some of them are just like kind of forgotten ones that they're just kind of putting out just as filler or whatever or just that channel that's always on at your granddad's house exactly yeah and it's just like where are you finding this exactly <laughs> and where like, are you finding these movies like, that's ex- and like so basically it's almost like i suppose like everyone's like foundation you hear like people it's like oh evil dead was the big people who like get into film and stuff it's like they have these foundational things. evil dead are like the movies of the 70s or star wars is mm. the huge one obviously uh, and i guess now like the next generation be like you know seeing fucking marvel films for the first time but like mine the things that solidified me in terms of like being a fan of like movies like in a serious way where like like those old kind of movies that were on TCM and like Bond films so kind of concurrently so already yeah. all these kind of like old old school kind of like aesthetics and like t- um like kind of ways of make telling stories and making films as opposed to like kind of more updates of so and then westerns just like kind of as you get older and the more you kind of learn about film history which I was kind of like threw myself into like westerns were just kind of they're an attractive one because they're like they're simple they're always like, for the most part, like simple stories, but you've always got so much going on mm. underneath. Um, well, not always, but like oftentimes you do. I think like a great a thing that really kind of ha- got got me kind of like head over heels. Love Martin Scorsese has this amazing thing called a personal journey through the movies um, with Martin Scorsese, and where he's just like he just talks. About, he's basically him going through a personal history of American movies. I think it's called, mm-hmm. but he's just him going through like kind of the 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 history of American cinema right up until. Um, he started making films and his kind of peers stuff. So then he, but he, the stuff he talks about, like westerns, genre in particular, but westerns as well. Uh, westerns in particular, where he's just talking about like the way he talked about like what they could do and like with the 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 what movie smugglers he called them, what they could get across and what they could do. You just you're just kind of watching that. You're like, oh, well, that's that's amazing. Like that's kind of and and it made you just appreciate them in a way beyond just like sitting down. And like watching on Western on TG Car, yeah, uh, for a dummy like me, where it's just like, oh, actually, no, this is. So that's kind of it was those. It was around that kind of teenage years where you're kind of getting interested in film in general, and that the kind of the the film history, and then westerns are just kind of there's just so much kind of going on with them, and so much to kind of glean from them, and also they're good crack to watch. It's not they're not like they're seldom mature because they're always yeah. just like you're gonna get a gunfight, you're gonna get like a. You know, all those kind of like kind of cool badass moments for in nine times out of ten. Something that uh, when you said this, I, I you, you wanted to talk about westerns, I was delighted because I, I have been wanting to get into them, and it's only since I watched Assault on Precinct 13 mm-hmm. and I was all like, that's the most western movie, John Carpenter's. Like, and I mean, it's it's like Night of the Living Dead, but it's a western, and mm-hmm. it's just constant shootouts, and it's like these endless 
face. It might be a Magnificent Seven. Then he mounted oh, just 100%. faceless banditos that just get wiped out. Excuse me. Well, he like he literally Rio Bravo was his model for that. Their high Howard Hawks one. Mm. Their John Wayne Dean Martin film, where he just he that's like his. I don't know what he's, this is his favorite film, but it's the one that he cites most in like interviews and stuff like that. But like Assault and Precinct Thirteen, he was like, I have to make like an you know I'm you know a new director trying to make like cheap exploitation kind of flick that people will go and see. Obviously, he's not going to have the budget to do a Western or anything, but he's like, like, he just took the model of like lawmen besieged in a prison mm. uh, by kind of guys trying to get break someone out of prison. But then he had the thing of like involving the kind of people in the jail to kind of help out, which was like kind of a lovely like kind of extra yeah. step up, like have the have the prisoners end up siding with the lawmen and kind of fighting back. But uh, that's pure. That's real bravo. Like he's on record as saying that. And then he's mm. got like. Like, th- it's that's the kind of beauty of them is like, they're it's kind of their f- their stories are always that that they're always just so like elemental that you can just do like, like a, a famous you know, well Star Wars kind of doing the Curacao thing, but he kind of came from West like Curacao ended up inspiring Star Wars and Spielberg and all these guys, but he was inspired by John Ford, where you're getting the Western feeding, um foreign cinema which ends up th- and then that foreign cinema ends up feeding back to american cinema so it's, it's like no other genre has that level of like influence in terms of like kind of constant like even th- now like the western itself is obviously not a thing as much anymore but like all kind of action films and kind of that stuff are still like western templates to a degree can i tell you which uh wi- i was trying to look up like what what are good uh westerns do you want to hear what google suggested yes this is what google suggested for top um top picks from google right number one was james franco's future world <laughs> what <laughs> i don't even oh, is that the one with is snoop talking that is that sci-fi kind of it's mad like 2018 hang on yes. which future world uh i'll check the other cast um yeah it looks at james franco's screaming lucy lou's in it mila jovovich is in it um more stars than the snoop dogg's in it as yeah. love lord class um so that was one um El Camino, a Breaking Bad story, was recommended as a Western. Rango, <laughs> Jonah Hex, uh, and Solo, a Star Wars story. Now, I don't know if that's them based on my search history, oh, trying to maybe appeal yeah. to me and think this will be the, the, the way of kind of transitioning you into, into Westerns. But um, would, what do you think of them as I an introduction? Think I well, it's funny enough, Solo, a Star Wars story, that, like, the end of that has the L, uh, the, well, the spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, the, the showdown, it's reminded me of, like, a little nerdy freak loser yeah, yeah, yeah. when I left the cinema, been like, that ending reminded me of Howard Hawks' El Dorado. Yeah. Well, this because at the end of El Dorado, spoiler alert for uh, El Dorado. Well, Sorry, on, guys. I'm actually watching. <laughs> Are you no, serious? No way. <laughs> Can you spoil us? You know, yeah, it's like fucking the seventies. Statutes up yeah. on that. But basically, there's this whole uh, thing of like the bad, the the bad gunslinger and John Wayne have this kind of like flirty banter throughout of like you know mutual grudging respect, and then at the end in the showdown, John Wayne shoots your man before he has a chance to draw. Oh, and as he's d- and it's like you know your man's dying, and he goes, uh, and John Wayne says, "You're too good to give a chance." And your man kind of dies, like knowing that he kind of respects him enough to basically sucker punch him with a bullet. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and there's kind of a similar thing. Why in is Solo. it? What, why did that? No, that that's really cool. 
Why is that so cool? Why do I really like that? Because you cheat, it's all about but respect. It's all about codes. That's the thing. It's all about like <laughs> these masculine codes that you're like they live by, and like the women will never understand. And you're like, <laughs> it's such in like they're all codes that are almost impossible to comprehend now. It's kind of kind of like what we were talking about off mic before, and which no one will ever hear. And rightly <laughs> how, so. How desperate you can be just to be like liked <laughs> exactly and there's none of that there there's like there's no kind of craving to be liked there's no kind of yeah. craving to be perceived mm. there's none of that they're like no this is who i am i'm so sure of myself and uh and like there's there's just there's none of that kind of hang up because they're out in the middle of the desert mm. and civilization is just in its early stages in terms of that civilization the kind of the the, the west and uh you're just kind of you can just kind of make your own make your own truth and make your own kind of it is a fascinating kind of um, petri dish of like, like lawless land, like a brand new frontier of completely unmapped territory with guns. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> like, what, again, class. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I was saying, but yeah, it is class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, class. We should go. We should go. We go. And also, I just want to say for the solo thing. I think that's also a nod to the thing in Star Wars where Greedo shoots, shoots first. No, shoots it first. definitely is. And then they re-edited but it. But they they. It is, it's kind of, that it in itself is, I think, because yeah. Star Wars pulls a lot from Westerns, that I think. Um, Which is why The Mandalorian is so good, because it's so derived of the Western. Like, exactly. There's um there's a scene in season two where Timothy Oliphant is like the sheriff of, it's not, m- maybe it's Mos Espa or something like that. But like, Mos Eisley, I didn't realize, sounds like a los. Oh. It sounds like a Los, and there's Mos Espa, and there's all Mos all over Tatooine, and he goes to a different Mos, and it's like, and then the, the, there's a whole analogy of you know the Sand People being the kind of natives, and they have to learn their ways so that they can actually find this big mm-hmm. fucking sandworm, but like that is just pure, like literally walking into town, and you know the sheriff is only there because everyone else is all the other sheriffs have died, and he's. You yeah. know, like it's just pure perfect. But even Western. casting him, it's like how many other genres. Can you have just by casting an actor, a, a specific actor, gives all these connotations to the genre? Like mm-hmm. he's done Deadwood, he's done um, like Justified, yeah. and all these things where it's like, whereas like there's other actors who like you cast them in a like cast Robert Downey Jr. in something, you're not immediately like, oh, this is a nod to his superhero, or le- unless you're really going out of your way. To, but there with some, like Timothy Oliphant is one of the few actors nowadays. Whereas back then you could do it with like John Wayne, James Stewart, mm-hmm. or whatever, where you kind of like the, the Western has that kind of power of like association of every other role he's had or those iconic roles. Yeah. And you put him in something that has kind of Western kind of trappings or whatever. And you're like, it's just does so much of the work for you immediately. That's why I love how Tarantino, what he notices. Exactly. Yeah. But he's all like, I don't kind of care if he's guys from TV or he's mo- mostly known from TV. Mm-hmm. I need someone who can do, do this really, really well because he's going to be acting across DiCaprio who's going to give the performance of his fucking career oh, when, he, is, when he gets stuck. it right yeah. in once upon a time. Oh, it's like, it's <laughs> next, I, I, I can't think of a performance I think like more than that. I think, yeah. I think it's like the one, like it's, I think it's his best performance and it's also like the performance where I'm like, I like that. I get so... But the character un- has the biggest stakes. Yeah. And DiCaprio has the biggest stakes because he has to act... As someone who can act really, really yeah, well, which exactly. I can't think of, of of seeing something that meta delivered so well. Uh, yeah, you know, no, it's such a, it's such a like it's such a feat to pull off. That I don't think even gets appreciated now. Like I just that just the levels that 
it's it's operating on and just in terms of like delivering this like suspense set piece that's entirely just will this insecure hungover man do a good job uh, <laughs> at acting and the, the stakes that are given to that and i love it like it's such a f- and he's he pulls it off so well he's incredible in that he's so brilliant and he's so i mean the whole you know tearing the um you know freaking out in the trailer beforehand i mean I've, we've all been there i've just been like you yes. know just the fourth point sometimes yeah. or maybe it's the sixth point when you're not supposed to because yeah. you had something big on yeah oh and, man and yeah. you're the only you're the only one taking yourself to court the next day yeah. you might even got away with it but people were like mm, it was a bit off yeah they don't fully know oh no <laughs> i just completely it was just the big fucking you know margarita that you had in your on your pool <laughs> it's the com- night before completely and like <laughs> i you get there's so much so much in your head about it and then you it, it's almost like becomes this thing where you're like like it's because it can go the opposite way where you're like oh before you like if live stuff obviously just where you're like you have the eldr- few drinks before and then you get dependent on it or you, yeah. in your head you're like oh geez i can't go out there without having it like you know uh creamy one or uh <laughs> but then with the the kind of the which is unhealthy in itself but in the opposite way that is yeah it's like when you kind of fucking uh when you do we have the couple too many the night before and then you come in and it's just like it's just like this like am i getting your own head of like am i a lower energy than i should have been which yeah. is like there's uh, you're probably not but it is just the guilt that comes with that and the shame in a compromised position well, you're in a similar compromised position on kind of professional well, yeah <laughs> the pulp pulp injection so for anyone who doesn't know pete is a phenomenal uh, playwright and um, phenomenal uh, pulpy playwright and does hopefully be uh, maybe a new one in 2022 please god uh pulp injection writes very funny uh radio plays belt based on kind of um pulp novels and there's there's been westerns there's been spy tra- <laughs> spies uh but they but i i the, there was one that we did that I probably had. Well, a lot of people. No, had we all co- did. We all had a couple of points. Basically, and it kind of scared me from ever doing that on stage no, ever again. Same as that. It was the. It was. <laughs> I. I basically because it was a fundraiser for a play that I was doing later that year. Um. So like everyone was kind of giving up their time. We're doing ver- popes that we'd already done. So I was like, I just felt extra kind of guilty about ha- taking everyone's time for that reason. So I bought a big kind of crate of Heineken yeah. for the for the green room, and everyone kind of dipped in. Including myself, and I was on the same. And the cues. first half went so well and, that it yeah. was kind—you of, know—that kind of excitement where yeah. it's all like, "This beer is air." <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? And then the <laughs> second half just, no, it just didn't go well. No, the audience even didn't give a damn. But uh, as yeah. far as I know, but it was just—it definitely gave me a fright, and I'm glad to hear it gave you a fright. Yeah, it gave me I was fright, like, oh, yeah. No, no. Just like, oh Jesus, you can't be at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus, you should respect people more than that. It is, now. yeah. It's like yeah. Oh, you're not operating heavy machinery, but also it's like you're still also going out to do a job, and you're like steaming. There is something quite appealing though about the kind of um, the the microdosing of of sarsaparilla, or whatever it is that they're having. You know, in in westerns, they're just having like little sh- everyone's just having a shot. Everyone's like consistently. Yeah. Just a little bit buzzed, yeah. Uh, all the time, it's and it's kind of definitely in uh, definitely in lockdown. I definitely can see that and the appeal of that. Just kind of just uh, you know every you know you know getting a few a few drams into you most days. <laughs> just kind of you're not you're not getting you're not going out getting melody fall around the place. But you know it's like that's no, a life. They've, they've, they're first of all they're in a hard days out in the plains and whatever they've got it. They they can't face their reality of like. Um, just endless flatlands or whatever it may be, and likewise we're you know trapped in four walls and we're kind of you know <laughs> like this the world is burning around us. So we're like, hey, have an L. Oh yeah, no, I was on two zooms today. 
<laughs> the lads tilling fields like hundreds <laughs> yeah, of years yeah. ago. I remember saying to my uh, father-in-law, I was like, I, I, I think I was, <laughs> you know, not to say that he would have experience, much experience with this, but I was like, I was asking a kind of, would you rather, you know, uh, be a farmer or like a, a fisherman? Because I feel like, you know, there was probably a time when there was only two of those options would have been available yeah. for, for people in Ireland. And he was just, he, it seemed just really depressing. He was like, that'd be absolutely such unbelievably backbreaking work for either of them. And I have this kind of like poetic fucking yeah. water boys singing <laughs> in my head, you know, I wish I was a fisherman. And I wouldn't mind being a fisherman like, in a light way. Like, yeah. you know, it'd be fucking, like, both of those would be, would kill me in the first day. Yeah. I would, would weep, I would shake. Yeah. You know, when men were men. No, it, it's it's another, le- like, yeah, I can't even fathom. Mm. But then I like, I do think it's like, but they had like kind of soft little arty boys back then as well. That uh, so ah oh, yeah. Well, they even they were probably yeah. They even they were probably hard enough compared to us. Like if we were to be the equivalent of us from yeah. back then, we'd be like Jesus, they're tough. But well, we. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would we? We would have been like the kind of yeah, those kind of like. We would have yeah. been priests, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been priests. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. we would have been fucking. You know. You've abandoned your son. Yeah. <laughs> I've abandoned my boy. I've abandoned my boy. I've abandoned my boy. Yeah, no, that's that'll be awesome. Awesome. My boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is the what way could we not avoid all the kind of the the stuff that will inevitably kill us? The lives that will like what was that the priests? Class? What, what was it they call what was it they called like the New Yorkers or whatever? Not Yankees or whatever, but was oh. Knickerbockers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we would have been those like with little, you know, horn room glasses, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, going around. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking of Red Dead characters, you know, like I'm writing about this in the New York Observer. I've just thought of who I'd be in a Western. Who, who would you be? Based off that, it's like, yeah, have you seen Unforgiven? No, I haven't seen Unforgiven. I'd be Saul Rubinek in that. He's like this guy who, like, this kind of pulp writer who's like following Richard Harris around, who's this like fable gunslinger, kind of writing, writing about their exploits. Yeah. After like long after the fact, basically a podcaster. He's like, <laughs> he's yeah. like following around this guy and, and interviewing him, and your man's telling him all the things that he used to do and all these great stories and like ba- myth making these guys. But then in the film, the second he gets kind of exposed, any kind of actual what it's actually real life, and he gets kind of the 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 blinkers lifted off and realizes the truth. But up until that point, he's got pretty good, you know, mm. just traveling around with this guy, listening to like gas stories about killing lads who had it coming. And writing about it, and I'd be, we'd be there like lads telling me deplorable stuff, and be like, <laughs> "Oh, Rich, oh, we craving, craving." Like, oh, yeah. You're imagine, imagine, imagine with our sensibilities now, just listening and like being like, "Sorry, you can't say that." Like <laughs> being like on every single thing, if a cowboy was, yeah. he's got them engines coming. Yeah. You can't I'll stop you there. Shit. I'll stop you there. Don't be saying that. Yeah, yeah. These these people, are, yeah, no, the it, the kind of condescending elitist kind of uh, city boy attitude, but uh, but like. Our our modern version of that, but t- taken to like places where you're be routinely fucking hung for <laughs> rustling cattle. <laughs> what would you mention? Unforgiven there. That seems to be one that I've seen people would recommend as a, as a good entry for for Western. Definitely, it's my like it's one of for my money. It's like that, that it doesn't get better than that. Like it's I've got other ones like that I would like equ- equally as much or like would watch. Uh, uh, more but like that one that's the kind of in terms of just kind of the it gives you it's like that lovely thing of like giving you everything you want from western while also completely dismantling it and showing it up as lies kind of thing so it's kind of you know cake and eat it stuff perfect well, yeah. what, if you were to give like 
say five, yeah. five westerns, and you know, you might take into you know the golden era of westerns. You might do one that kind of spins it on its head. What what are some you'd recommend? Um, check out? I would go. So, so I'll try and kind of cover a wide berth in terms of like the eras and. I know John. you will. You faith in me. Unforgiven <laughs> to be there. Yeah. Um, I would say. Okay, it's hard not to go like the obvious fucking, you know, like sight me. and sound top ten. So I'm gonna try and try and make well, well, not been hipster about. It, I'm gonna try and kind of, kind of do a, do kind of other ones that you might not. Ones if I, was, if I was, so so if I was to be like say to someone's like who wasn't into westerns, be like I want to get you into westerns, basically. Like, treat, like yeah. and these are the best of the best, while also not been kind of like you know, um, I would say. Probably give him something like Rio Bravo, something like a Hawks, Howard Hawks Western, like kind of fun, like, yeah, because you have to have John Wayne on the list. But mm-hmm. also, you want them not, you don't want to start with like the searchers or something where he's like kind of interrogating the old, you know, persona and doing all this kind of stuff. You, you want to lead with that. So I was like, go to something that's like uh, as equal quality as that stuff, but also. Is he like an iconic cowboy in that? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. people are like, you know, the, that or stage, stagecoach is the one where he kind of broke the star and he's just the cool like it's hard to think of john wayne has been cool that's like the one film where it's like that that's cool yeah because you know, he's young and kind of you know he's kind of spinning his kind of rifle around and just kind of way less that's way less in love point. with himself or way less unsure of his own kind of because he had no persona that's your no um kind of mythic status and yeah. like whereas then everything else was just playing off that status whereas that was like cementing the status so he's kind of looser and cooler he's and not like a cigar store figurine mm, at that exactly point. exactly yeah. so yeah it's a stagecoach that's early isn't it stagecoach it's like thir- yeah 30 uh, 39 i feel like it should be earlier but i feel like it is 39 mm. that's the one where the yakima come up the stuntman goes um there's a massive he goes under the stagecoach he's like playing a native american when they're, they're kind of chasing after the stagecoach trying to get it and he ends up going underneath it, like insane kind of stunts that he wouldn't get away with now. And so, so, but then that's also, you know, it's black and white and it's kind of creaky in its own way. So ma- not, yeah. cr- but you know, for, if I, again, if I'm trying to make people like the genre, like a familiar, so I'd say like Unforgiven, Rio Bravo, um, I'd say like either the big, for the spaghettis, either the big gun down or Navajo Joe are like the two like most best crack spaghettis. Oh, yeah? They're wild. I've no, or, I haven't heard of either of them for spaghetti. Uh, Navajo Joe is like Burt Reynolds playing a playing a Navajo, which sounds <laughs> like which sounds like though like hilarious, but it's actually badass because it's like Burt again, Burt before he was Burt Reynolds. He's like yeah. no no tash, young fella. I think he was like mostly a stuntman up until that point. And uh, is he striking looking. He's at striking looking, and like he's doing all his own stunts. There's a bit it's like burned into my head of like one of the coolest shit I've ever seen on camera, where it's all in one take or one one shot where he like. There's a kind of guy with a, with a rifle on a horseback coming up to him. I've only seen it once, so I, but like this is just mm-hmm. kind of, and he kind of spear spears your man off, leaps up, spears your man off the horse, knocks him off, rolls over while picking up your man's rifle, and then like lets off a few rounds of rifle. Oh it's like one of the cool, like, and you're like again, it's in one take. It's like 100% Burt Reynolds doing it, and then you're kind of like like it's just that's the kind of shit that kind of is electrifying to see, like yeah. and that, no other think genre has of like when you can't when that gets when they can pull that kind of stuff off which obviously they can't really do anymore but so that i'd say like navajo or the big gun down are kind of like he's kind of they're like spaghetti westerns but they're not they're, they're kind of they're they're kind of more so they are like the italian kind of westerns and they're so they have the kind of kind of odd moments but they've also got their uh 
like just the action is the next level and the kind of the stories are so stripped back and exciting and give up Marconi music or new Marconi mm. music so it's, they're just so propulsive and exciting so one of them and I would say um, again go back to another Clint would be another spaghetti would be like the good the bad the ugly just because it's like you know it's the big biggest yeah. most epic kind of western of them all and then maybe something maybe then go to something like the searchers or uh, man who shot liberty valance or something like another kind of older classic kind of western but the one again where kind of they caught up with where they became less of a kind of a b-movie genre and they people started to kind of dig them a bit more and give them a bit more kind of weight so they were able to kind of like my darling clementine or something like that where they were able to go a bit more kind of epic with it and a bit more kind of they, they weren't kind of hiding their kind of kind of uh they're kind of i guess like kind of deeper attributes they were like they were able to kind of wear up on their sleeve a bit more but i think the another one would be like if just watch the renown cycle which are these films from like the 50s there's like six or seven of them they're by this guy same director writer and star it's like bud bedeker director randolph scott star and burke kennedy was a writer and they start seven men from now and then i can't remember what the last one is but like there's like ride lonesome and Comanche Station. They're all like about 70 to 80 minutes long. They're like yeah. tight as a drum. They have the same actor effectively playing the same part, like this stoic yeah. kind of guy. He's either a sheriff or he's a, you know, no, a guy who's like a bounty hunter. He's different, like, he's di different characters, but they're all effectively the same thing. And he makes no kind of like kind of concessions to like, I'll be wearing a mustache and this, or I'll be like, I'll be like speaking in a French accent. Like he's yeah. the exact same character, yeah. like this very noble, kind of rigid, kind of tough guy. And they're and they always have kind of like it's like him versus like some kind of in a kind of a battle of wills with some kind of flamboyant villain like Lee Marvin is one mm. and uh, James Coburn is another and stuff. So they, and they're like they're like seventy to eighty minutes. If you want to get like kind of like oh I want to be get kind of get to grips with like American Western kind of in, in kind of like the earlier or kind of classical sense but i also don't want to be watching like kind of creaky things or mm. the big three hour long yoke or something that like they're the ones that are just like they're 80 minutes of your time each one and they're just a feckin' cracking story simple story with like six characters set over you know a couple of days or you know a couple of hours each time and they're just good out crack that sounds perfect <laughs> like i have no time for any of this like i have no time I've, I've i don't have the time for like, <laughs> I, like, like I, I don't even have a kid i'm like i don't i like i'm gonna get teary-eyed talking about all this when like i just want to be watching all this shit also can you imagine how obnoxious i am on the fucking sauce now if, if you got me started on this this like uh, like but a few, again as you say in a few points deep like where that's just it's just there'd be too much oh no, but i love that like i love like I just I genuinely love hearing people who are so impassioned, like, and I, because I'm kind of like, I'm very good at remembering what other people say about films and regurgitating. <laughs> Same, 100%. You know, I'm a real, just read the headlines kind of um, film reviewer, you know. You know, they say, you know, this one was the one, you know, mm -hmm. and that's without actually having done any, any research. But you've got two big, massive fucking textbooks here. Actually, that, one of those books, Life and Times Sampec, but that reminds me. Actually, if I was to just recommend one Western, like if I was like the one Western that sums everything up and gives you your cake and eat it in terms of like what I was saying, but unforgiven, it's like, like the be it's basically it has to. It's in definitely in my top ten films of all time. It's probably in should be in everyone's top ten films. The Wild Bunch. It's like it's not the most fucking obscure pick. I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be impressed any hipsters with a The Wild Bunch. It's got the best action of any Western. It's got the most. We're talking about the codes. It's like that's like. There's this amazing, there's these, I saw it as like an impressionable teenager, again, getting into films or whatever, and you're looking up what films, the best films you're watching, like Wild Bunch is up there. There's these lines, and as a teenager, it's basically about these aging outlaws 
that flee to Mexico and get mixed up in a Mexican revolution. But it's the, the line. There's like lines that it's like, the, you gave him his word, didn't you? Uh, that ain't what counts. It's who you give it to, and all this like these kind of like catch all lines oh, when you're yeah. like a young fella. They got like you hear that you're like that is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the that one I would say if everyone. Everyone would be better off if they watched The Wild Bunch. Forget everything I said up until this point. Okay, fine. The Wild Bunch. I'll delete everything you said. Do. Just have that like little 30 second <laughs> bump. Um, when are you going to uh, make uh, films again? Oh, soon, I hope. I will. I will. Okay, yeah, this is a question that haunts me. Sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. No, it's it's the kind of, I guess, feckin', I used to just make them all the time, but then... Yeah, the old uh, get the old front face and uh, comedy sketched. Uh, <laughs> it's just get so out of my life. Like, yeah, I'm like, really I just need. No, I want. I want. It gives you. It gives you that kind of like ah. Yeah, oh, literally, and and an immediate <laughs> and an immediate fucking like in, yeah. like like. It, but you know what? It was. I really had like a low kind of. I was just like you know it, I really felt defeated by not having done it. But then, um, I put up a sketch there that was like six and a half minutes long. And then it did quite well, so I'm like, oh, there is actually, you know, mm. you just you do think that there is no kind of, yeah, no, no, um, no patience for that kind of thing there, but there actually, I think there is. So I will, I will promise you. I actually that fucking, um, applying for that actor, fucking, this is all very interesting. I, that actor as creator thing, uh, the you know the, the screen Ireland are doing, Bow Street room. So I'm like, I'm getting back on the horse, so to speak. <laughs> Oh, no, as in trying to get back in the horse anyway. But no, uh, I did think your work was very like. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I was going to list off two problematic bits. <laughs> tell me, tell me, <laughs> what? tell me. No, I thought like like the the structure of um, like Gary Woke is a very funny sketch that you did. Mm -hmm. That's very kind of short film cinematic. Uh, is very <laughs> very Woody Allen. It is. And I used there the music in that. I yeah, took from a Woody yeah. Allen set. Like I'm totally Woody Allen. And I then mean. also kind of a bit. Uh, a little bit Louis C.K. <laughs> 100%. Oh, like Louis, like I was making films when Louis, the first kind of couple of seasons of Louis were coming out. Like I was on Galway making short films. And like, he, you're like, like there's no point. Not, I'm not going to be them pricks who's saying, oh, I dismiss, like, not, oh, these horrible, horrible men are absolutely uh, creatively inspiring to me. I'm not going to, you because they don't use any of the, uh, the kind of recesses of their their the part of the brain involved in the kind of creative process is so preoccupied that the actual morals kind of just don't really get to be fueled that's literally <laughs> it that, and that's or have no nutrients going into them whatsoever same with the likes of polanski and stuff like that like it's yeah. you, they're like people are like oh don't engage with this art. there's plenty of films out there it's like there's not that many films that are better than what roman polanski's made <laughs> like it's in there. <laughs> It's like, it's like I'm sorry. No, I'm like it's just that's the fucking sad truth of it. It's like you can absolutely like God, like there's there's like I'm I'm easier with music, again. So like, like we were in the club and Michael Jackson came on, you know, back. And, and I just he was like, I'm not fucking I'm, like. There's something about boogie. <laughs> exactly. There's something because music is so immediate that like. When Michael, like Michael Jackson's purpose is, when it's Michael Jackson's its purpose is to make you dance yeah. so if you're like dancing you're like I'm dancing to this guy that committed a trust whereas like films I guess often unless it's a you know it's a you know film for the most part they're like it's a more kind of you're engaged at the kind of more individual level it's a bit, it's, you're not it's not trying to yeah, make you, but like but so also yeah, I think it's, I, basically I think it's grand to, <laughs> to watch bad people's films and read bad people's books but less so to dance to their music no, I well like it w all right. So like Michael Jackson, like it's not like his his whole heart and soul was. He had a very strong philosophy on the boogie, 
and he was about where you should blame it. He was writing a pop song, and exactly. he wrote a pop song. And so you can dance to the pop song. It's not his personality. Did you think that's him? It's yeah, no. It's like if you found out that the guy who installed like the traffic lights was a pedophile, <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm not going to walk the green man now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to abide by the green I'm not going to I can't cross at that light. The guy turned out to be a pedophile. So, you know, it's just like he did a job separate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I mean that. Across. Of course, you can decide. Like, I was asked at, in The Independent that did an interview and, uh, and they asked, like, are you worried about being cancelled? And I thought of you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, no, because, like, it kind of seems now that you have to, that the the, the tide, or not the, it's ch- the mood has changed now where you're not, people are less trying to be caught out. Mm-hmm. And it's more so like you're a, an actual sexual predator, mm-hmm. an actual proven mm-hmm. racist, or you use your profile to repeatedly talk about trans people mm-hmm. in a derogatory way. Yeah. Like, like, rep- like, you know, yeah. you had, a, you, you got a, you might've got away with it in your last special and mm-hmm. you decide to take half an hour to your fucking new one yeah. to talk about this where you're really just trying to add, g- grab as much attention to yourself as possible. Yeah. It's not less about, you know, getting caught in on the wrong pronoun mm-hmm. um, or anything mm-hmm. like that. that not that, for sure. That seems to have passed, even on Twitter. You I, know. If people, if pe- again, as you said, like if, if it's not like this repeated offence, obviously some stuff, you don't have to repeat them for, for it to be an offence. But like, no. what, what you were saying there about, like, yeah, alluding to the Chappelle thing, where it's like, yeah, it's like people like that, it's like you could not be making your bed more. So you have a common kind of thing, whereas like, yeah, it's, I think definitely, I, I suppose it's like, there's people who it's, it's, are they, it wasn't like they were even getting cancelled as much as it was like, you can't really be enjoying what they're putting out because they have this kind of, there's this vague amorphous kind of like, maybe their politics are great, or maybe yeah. they're, they've said some things in the past, not like to the extent of like doing hour long specials, on it, but just like kind of views they've had in the past things. And then it all, it was like verboten maybe for a while to be like, and those people, whereas now it's kind of people, the idea of a flawed artist has come back around yeah. where it's like, Oh, that's a, just par for the course. You know, it's like that you can, that you can be, if, cause yeah, as like who in the hell wants people who are always right, morally and intellectually making art. That would be the worst thing ever. I think. Like, I just, <laughs> pretty shit. like, I want, like, first of all, you, people. They th- a prime example is the whole thing of like, uh, the the whole thing of like all oh, male gays in cinema, like uh, G A Z E, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like the the how you know kind of whatever you know a lot of perverts making films, and then I would much rather a lot of perverts making films than like you know this kind of the desexualized, very asexual kind of films now like exist of like kind of you know uh, you know whatever whatever it is appealing to china or whatever the hell the reason sure. is that these kind of very neutered thing like films are getting made where i much rather see some fucking tapped in the head yeah. brian de palma film where he gets so much wrong but at least he's like swinging for the fences and showing actual kind of people with blood in their veins yeah and like kind of horns on them uh, you know that so it, is, it is it is it is insane though isn't it like i mean how like how fewer tits <laughs> yeah. are in movies and it's been reserved solely to HBO, mm. you know, and somehow that's, that's except that somehow that's always done tastefully, you know, like in mm. some capacity, I don't know if it is, but it's so, you know, well, over lockdown, I watched, um, probably I'd seen the first series age when it came out, but I watched it for the first time and it's like, it could not be more tailored for me, but boardwalk empire. Mm. And there's a, a, sh- a shot in that where, 
Bobby Cannavale is walking through a brothel naked with his lad flopping against his leg and he's just shooting after this assassin that's come in and starts plugging yeah. all his men. It's it's like you you just can't fathom you couldn't fathom it in a like in well, you couldn't fathom it in a film of any era, but like like now it would just I think no. just it would like people like people wouldn't know what to make of that at all. <laughs> like it's just like no. again, it's like new the like level of like kind of nudity and violence kind of yeah. combined in, and then you just kind of now it's like what is it, like Eternals are bragging about you know, having the first se- sex scene in a Marvel film like how many Marvel films are we in? not that you have to have to be fucking right in these things in like, no, but like no. what I mean is I suppose that it's almost become this kind of rare point of pride to have any kind of intimacy in any in any kind of like even like like the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where they have that bit in the boat where she's kissing all his sores yeah, it sounds horrible. But uh, as yeah. in they, uh, you can't imagine something like that in I don't in a modern film now. It's the true. equivalent modern film, like whatever that rock film is, where he's going up the river. Jungle Cruise. Yeah, yeah. I kept saying to Terry, it was all like, um, she's like, if he if she ends up, she she just points out the age di- differentials and everything. She'll mm-hmm. be like, what's the age difference between them? You know, and I'm like, I don't know, whatever. You know, but you know, I've seen spoiler for Jungle Cruise. Skip ahead 15 seconds. <laughs> The Rock's immortal in it. Oh. Is that a spoiler for you? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, sorry. But uh, but I kept saying to Terry, I was like, look, there's no, like, don't worry about that. Like, The Rock is on a sexual figure. Like, there, there's no, really isn't, you yeah. know, there's no way that they're, conne- and then they turn, it turns out that they are kind of shipped together in, mm. in the film. He was also with fucking, was it, Se- not Selma, wasn't Selma Blair. It was, it was Selma in Blair the in skyscraper, skyscraper, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock and Selma Blair. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, it doesn't make any sense no. whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I don't. But like, they're so it's kind of like it's this kind of it's, uh, sexuality in theory, but mm. nothing really very clear about it. Yeah, being exactly. like, we'll see them there. That's fine. You yeah. know, we can understand that. China can understand that. You know. Yeah. Without actually showing them um, any sweet, sweet jabs. But like, not even like a even like a National Lampoon's yeah <laughs> movie. You know. I mean, not with not one where it's like you know, a la- you know, looking into bursting into yeah, like yeah. you know, and like, ah, you know, and a bit, a bit of fun like that. A bit of fun, a bit of messing, <laughs> a bit of messing like that. I'm just messing. A bit of old school messing. I, mean, I feel like none of the films that I recommend to people have jabs. You know, Wild Bunch does. There's a yeah. bit where they're two of the cowboy brothers, outlaw brothers, are in a big massive, um, vat of you know, there's old bats, wooden bats in westerns, with two Mexican sex workers mm-hmm. and uh Good man. and everyone is so ugly both the men and the women there's no like kind of they're not trying to make it you feel like oh the, you know how great they're just, and they're having so much crack and they're all locked and you're like <laughs> actually that's what i want to be if i was in west that's right I, I in that bath with those four <laughs> people i'm not enjoying any of the sex stuff i'm just watching them having fun <laughs> and having a bath <laughs> drinking mezcal <laughs> you're just bringing in the soap uh, do you think now i mean before you told me your your kind of foray into westerns, I mean, I would have watched maybe Magnificent Seven when it was on. My dad was watching, mm-hmm. and I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Charles Bronson or someone in, in but it's it's one of them. Kind of tries to save a kid, and then Charles gets Bronson, yeah, because yeah, he would always see that, and he'd be like, "That fucking kid!" <laughs> like, he's here, a man in the thirties, and I'm like, you know, like seven. He's like, "This fucking kid ruined the used to upset me so much." Been like, I just hated this kid. He still does. <laughs> So I'd be watching those, like that with him. But there was a lot that I picked up. Like I, I would have watched Monty Python because he would have watched it. I would have watched, um, you know, Laurel and Hardy. And like 
these are things that are out of time and mm-hmm. you would have to look in an archive for now to you have to find yeah. it but this because of the kind of shared couch space will be kind of the influence like you know do you do you think people are going to you know I don't know really what my question is, but it's maybe just something to, to think about. Just do you think that kind of era is lost for the household? Yeah, maybe because everything is every everyone has their own screen and every kind of niche is catered to. Yeah. Whereas before, it's like you better like westerns or you better like uh, you know the kind of especially especially as well kind of generals, I suppose, are coming less and less. I think everyone is kind of freer to do what they want and and get, be interested in what they want and not have to kind of apologize for what they're into mm-hmm. and yeah everyone has their own screen so they can go off and watch that thing on it so yeah i think defo that's mm-hmm. lost and like so like there is not this thing of like sit down here beside me now and we'll watch dance with wolves <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah which is sad it is and sad. i hope like i mean it's kind of probably a net gain for society in other ways it, yeah people finding exactly you know down to the <laughs> down to the down to the pronoun exactly what they want exactly and who they want to be exactly you know writing in their but the right hand I think you, there is a lot to be said I'm kind of parroting something I read this writer this screenwriter Tony Toss to is like a smart writer on like kind of he's just amazing kind of like writing on screenwriting not in a, one of those kind of Sid Field kind of ways more like in a very practical way but he was talking about like the the virtues of being bored as a kid by art. Mm. Like making, like been like sit here and watch this, mm. and like that can obviously backfire, and they could like hate it forever. But there's a, something to be said for just like, being a kid and being forced to kind of engage with stuff beyond your beyond your kind of interest or something that's ahead of your kind of comprehension before it's time, uh, before before you're ready for it, um, because that stuff like it might it might not stick or it might absolutely stick and it might kind of mm-hmm. whereas like now i think if you are because everyone is so catered to i think there's a you can just end up living in that little bubble and not having any kind of cultural kind of knowledge inside of that and maybe not progressing that much as you even as you get older but yeah but like you, i think being bored like you, you really it's it's like going out in the rain and coming in you know warming yourself up and by the fire like you need to know the difference of like this is so unentertaining and this is so unstimulating that the things really stand out like the amount of stuff that's out now like you know like you can watch dune on hbo max if you have that you can watch foundation on apple like these are the biggest most spectacular things that have possibly ever been on a screen and there's just too many of them that they're all so fucking boring it's insane it's like it wasn't boring but no i can't wait to see it but i genuinely can't wait to see it but no but it is there's just so like the amount of those kind of like sci-fi shows especially that are kind of coming the way i suppose games you're like how many of these things are like there? The and like expanse an, should be everything to uh, me. Yeah, ex- ex- <laughs> this is it. Fuck. This is exactly it. And I think less so with films because there's just less films been made now. And like in terms of like if you're if like outside of the Marvel sphere, it's like you know there's kind of a tentpole kind of movies. There's like there's only going to be so many outside of that kind of world that when you kind of when they come around, you make it. They're almost like you know kind of appointment viewing. Whereas like with TV shows, I just it is it's yeah it's too much it's insane i think yeah i don't know it's uh it's like it's like a big mad content farm that's why i'm less i'm less kind of pushed about uh kind of saying i'm just i'm happy now because i got, got over lockdown i was showing before i'd like buying like blu-rays stuff like that and it's like sales and stuff just kind of like watching what does like again it's the exact same thing as like now like every people cater to their own niche and yeah. exactly what i'm doing but just niche from another no but generation. i love that like because yeah. I, I feel a sense of um 
closure. I'm, me and Terry just wanted to watch films now in the evening because I feel like we started and we finished and we have an opinion on it. <laughs> you know, rather than just like we started watching a bit of White Lotus, which we were really enjoying, but it's like either shows that I'm loving and mm-hmm. I'm not going back to because mm-hmm. I'm just like what we watch, what we watch now. Can I ask before we go, um, maybe have a bit of a spoilerific chat about Bond? Yes. About uh, No Time to Die? Yes. I I loved it, but it's still a it's still a four and a half star for me, but I loved it. Why is the, the knockoff? Because I don't think it, I, you know, I don't think it's, now I do throw around five stars. I didn't go back to my letterbox and kind of clear up <laughs> some bits and maybe just, I've been a bit too overzealous with some. But, um, Joel Stalin, your ratings in Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, like Dune as well, I gave like four and a half stars. But I just, I kind of feel like it's it's excellent, but I don't think it changes anything. And I don't think it's, um, I don't think there's enough in it. It's not iconic enough to re-reference. I loved, like say the Ana de Armas set piece. That's great. But I don't think that's in any way, the actual having watched it, I wouldn't watch a clip of it again. I wouldn't seek it out another clip of that scene, but I loved it while it was happening. I don't know if there's many scenes in it that I would, apart from maybe just the ending or maybe um, maybe the maybe the, the kind of chase across the bridge at the start. I thought mm-hmm. that was really fucking you know white knuckle action. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other scenes in Casino Royale I'd watch again. There's scenes in Skyfall I'd probably watch again. I don't know. This is just you know like iconic i'm still thinking about the you know the the parts of it i don't know if that's the you know i most l- particular way of it. i loved it and i was like it's not roast into glass because like i did like i'm I'm a fucking sucker for bonds but like specter broke my heart i still think it is like the worst bond ever i'd mm. like even like m- like more at their hokiest like man with the golden gun or something i'd take it over specter like just that last hour is wreck just like i can't it, remember just it. the whole like they're going for the whole like all these films are con- they tried to marvelize it and like everything's mm. connected mm. and like where you're like well that's just a it just puts the other perfectly uh, like l- beautifully like contained films that is like the bond the joy of the bonds into like this whole it's like oh so all these v- lads were actually acting the been controlled by you or whatever the hell the yeah. twist was. you're like like they're kind of not like that retconny kind of way of going about things I also thought Christoph Waltz is bad in it, Inspector. Yeah, he is. He's, he's good. I liked him in the ones, there are the couple of scenes he had. Oh, in that was no brilliant. Because no, like, yeah. he's also like, he seems almost like lobotomized or something like that. And he's yeah. just, you know, and it's a new side of him. But that kind of, I don't know, there was, yeah, I just, Inspector, I was like, this should be everything, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and it wasn't for me. No. Um, I, I like no time to die now. I, I loved it. I really loved it, I have to say. I, I, I get what you're saying. I do, I I thought like the scene, that scene in in Jamaica, or Cuba, wherever it was at that point. He goes from, I think it was to boat, but mm. I, the diploma stuff with Anna Darmus. I like. I, I thought that was good crack, and I liked the scene in Norway where they're going through the, the kind of forest. Oh, misty, I loved. I actually loved that. Yeah. yeah, that was there, badass. Just, that was like uh, fucking first blood. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, and uh, I just love Craig. I just think he's phenomenal, and it was such a good send off from. And he that was the best performance. I think he's definitely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The the he had. I had the, I think he's that Casino Royale. He's so electrifying it, and then that was the one where it's like it kind of he kind of he was checked back in. Yeah. And also, like he finally got to lean into kind of the big kind of set PC world, which he hadn't necessarily got to before. Everything was everything always was kept that bit more grounded. Whereas in this, he had like you know there's bionic eyes and poison gas yeah and like kinda, 
I love I loved all that. Like I loved the fact that and I don't know it, it just I think it was just because everything was so visually stunning mm-hmm. that I, it didn't make me think why is I, why am I seeing this? Yeah. You know, it didn't look fake like even just it's most visually stunning generic villain's lair at the end. Oh, completely. You know, yeah. they, literally they they're not far off literally having the sharks with laser beams no. sticking out of their heads. They have acid acid uh, little Dr. No yeah. style acid water. He's, he's he's in a kimono. Hmm. He's in it like a. a what did you know. think of him actually? I actually thought he was great. Yeah, me too. A lot and of people I, were kind of down on him. I'm like, no, I think I think you know, I could I couldn't really hack. It. I watched the first season of Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. and I thought this is the best TV show I've ever seen, and I had no desire to come back to it. Yeah, I was kind of like that as well. And but like he that whole yeah, I thought he was he's that kind of like just dead and so kind of like socially awkward that he can't quite get out. He's almost trying to prohibit what he says because what he really wants to say is probably so much worse. Exactly. You know, um, and I felt that really loved the tension in that kind of therapy scene. Um, <laughs> Leia Sadu is oh. a fucking like she's amazing. She's incredible. Like next level, and not in like a like it, you're just. It's almost like you're watching it and you you're just so engaged in that part of the story and you're not yeah. used to being that engaged in that part of the story for Bond films. No, at all. Like as in she. In a way, you're like the Bond girl is always like kind of like if she's funny and kind of sassy and good mm. with a quip and slamming hot. That's usually what you kind of that's the yeah. best case scenario. Yeah, like and Halle Berry. Like Halle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're a third. You're the archetype. Yeah. Uh, no, but that kind of yeah, like exactly that. But like with Lisa Du, like you're kind of watching. You're like, I I could not believe how invested I was in her happiness <laughs> as a character. I know, like, yeah. This is not the James Bond kind of formula I'm used to. I can't imagine, that's, again, spoiler, but like a, a Bond girl going off with a dead Bond and me ever being satisfied. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I am. I was, you know. Same, same. Um, she like it's like it's one of the best performances in the whole series, I think, and best written kind of characters in the whole series. Yeah. Um, I think like it, it was like it was she was so. So good. I will my my one major gripe with it, mm-hmm. this film, and I've I, I've gone public with it. It's um so uh, Lashana Lynch as the new 007 mm. says note he goes says that one of the villains. Do you know what time it is? Time to die. Pushes him into the acid, and you're like, that's weird because it's she says it in the tempo of a pun. Yeah, but then she put it's like she should be like, you know shove off and yeah which is better yeah exactly it's not great it's not great it's bad yeah, i it's will bad. workshop it but then later on bond kills someone with a but watch and it's like there would be the time to be like time to die oh yeah i just don't that's he says something else doesn't he he, does. he says he says because it was very hacky it's like he's on the blower to q and q gave him the watch and the watch made your man's bionic eye explode and he mm-hmm. goes i showed your man the watch it blew his mind Oh, that's so. It's uh, you know, there's about three steps to get there. If I had that as a tweet, I w- it would be in my drafts <laughs> because be like I don't have it yet. There's yeah, five yeah. extra words I need exactly. to get rid of in there. <laughs> yeah, when your quip has to go through like five stages, it's yeah. like just cut it. Whereas like he, if he had just been like, "What time is it in the battle?" I'd be like, "What?" He's like, "Time to die," and blew his head off of the watch. Then you, that would make sense as the title of the film should be given to James Bond. Mm-hmm. PC combat. I know. Like <laughs> it just was like it was an odd, like almost like kind of. I feel like it's the kind of thing where Phoebe Waller Bridge and the other writers are in the cinema and then they, they realize that they're like, oh shit, we missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or but even, uh, I mean, I feel like one more pass is all like, no, hang on, just circle that yeah. all over here and then two yeah. arrows. Why would you not give her a line about p- 
pushing him or falling or yeah. burning. I think I'm falling for you. Are you falling there. for me? There, you got it. You got it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, no. Pete, this has been fun chatting to you so about fun. film. Let's continue to do it off, Mike. We will. Um, but thanks very much for uh, having me over and let me speak to you. This is a joy. I'd let you in every this week. Is an absolute joy. Seriously, this, it is no, yeah. I need this. I've n- I don't have anyone. When I do have other people, yeah, I can just, but like, well. like, like, yeah, no, I have as well. But as in, <laughs> in my own home, uh, <laughs> you know, these these four walls. Uh, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? This will be out uh, next week. Next week, um, on the on Friday, the twenty fifth of November. Yes. Um, myself and your good self are doing a we're the the charity gig, um, in Liberty Hall. We are indeed. And there's stand up to hunger. Stand up to hunger. There's it's a v- for a very good cause, um, for the little kiddies in Yemen. So, um, and it's an amazing lineup. There's like Julie J, Fred Cook, yeah, Carl Spain MC, yeah, Colin McDonald, yeah, very good. The two of us, Barry Murphy, Barry Murphy. I we don't have the thing in front of us, so we're in, that's why we're and something. And hopefully that's it. <laughs> hopefully that's it. Because <laughs> it'll be awkward if it's not. But um, so that'll be in Liberty Hall. So that's a kind of a, a like a a very cool lineup. That'll and inter- anything else to plug? Uh, check out my my sketches on my Instagram, uh, Peter J McGann, please, and give them watch and like them and share them. Um, that's that's about it, really. I that's don't have anything else. Do you event plug? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got a Vicar Street shows. Uh, I'll well do this now. I was going to do a bit at the end, but I'll do it right now. Uh, a couple of Vicar Street shows, some tickets on sale for that uh, on Ticketmaster. Only a handful now. Won't tell you exactly what that means. I got some big fucking hands. No, no, there's not much tickets left <laughs> uh, for that. 25th, 26th of uh, March. So um, go over to Ticketmaster or go on to me. Link in my bio there on uh, Instagram. You'll find them there. Pete, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tony. It's been you. great, Greg. I love you too. Bye-bye.